Thousands of people are about to die, Franklin Marchese thought as he read the morning CIA briefing memorandum for President Lyndon Johnson and shook his head in disbelief. The warm air gently wafting from the small oscillating fan on the corner of his desk caused the document to quiver in his hands. Alexandra, he called out into the Washington Evening Star's cavernous and mostly empty newsroom that hot Sunday afternoon. Hi, Frank, what's up? Alexandra Salomon asked as she walked into the editor's office. It was just a coincidence that they were both there that Sunday afternoon. It was hot in the building, with the air conditioning powered off for the weekend. They had only intended to be there for an hour or so. Frank Marchese, the star's chief editor, had come in to prepare for the Monday morning staff meeting and to consider assignments for covering the deteriorating situation in the Middle East. Alexandra was simply putting the finishing touches on a story she had written for the Monday morning edition about the riots in West Berlin. A 26-year-old literature student, Benno Onasorg, had been shot and killed two days earlier during a demonstration protesting the visit of the Shah of Iran and his wife, the Empress Farah. I think the Middle East is really going to explode this time. All the saber-rattling has the Arabs in a frenzy. So what else is new? Alexandra replied, a touch of sarcasm in her voice. I have the CIA memorandum prepared for tomorrow morning's White House briefing. Jesus, how did you get that? she asked. Don't ask, he responded, handing her the memorandum. She hesitated for just a moment, glancing at her boss quizzically. Go on, read it, he urged, his eyes riveted to hers. There were plenty of damn good writers at the Evening Star, and most had been around a lot longer than Alexandra, but she was his favorite, a natural. That was what he called her twelve years earlier when he first took her on as a summer intern from McKinley Tech High School. Even then, she could home in on the heart of a story as fast as many of the veterans at the paper. And no one understood the Middle East the way she did. She and her family had fled twenty years earlier from the fighting over in Palestine and wound up in Washington's black inner city living over a tiny corner grocery store purchased for them by a relative who had come to America following the Jaffa riots in 1921. The Salamans, Christian Arabs, were even more alien in Ledroit Park than the Jewish families that seemed to inhabit every other corner grocery store in the city. Alexandra was an appealing, winsome teenage girl when Marchese first brought her on as a summer intern. Now, a dozen years later, she had matured into an uncommonly striking woman. She had her father Sharif's Arabian olive complexion and her mother Samira's rich, deep brown hair that flowed to her shoulders. It was, no doubt, her mother's lineage, half Egyptian and half British, that gave Alexandra her arresting green eyes and delicately sculpted facial features. Slowly, she shifted her gaze to the document he had just handed her. Her eyes narrowed ever so slightly as she began to read. The Arabs are sniffing blood. So fast and far does Nasser's bandwagon seem to be rolling that even the Iranian government, long friendly to Israel and bitterly hostile to Nasser, has been compelled to issue a statement mouthing phrases about Muslim solidarity. Tunisian President Bourguiba, the only Arab leader in recent years to suggest publicly some modest vivendi with Israel, has also had his government say that it stands behind Nasser. There can be no assurance that Arab appetites, whetted by unexpected and intoxicating show of unity, will not soon demand further satisfaction.